Hello, everyone, and strap yourselves in for another episode of Sequel Pitch. Yeah. I'm the engine that drives the episode this week, Matt Rushton, and joining me, as always, are my pistons, plugs, and shocks, Andy, Drew, and Ross. Toot-toot. Hello, gentlemen. What kind of uh, plugs are they? Are they are they butt plugs? Sec- <laughs> what about what about what about car plugs? I've never lifted like the bonnet of a car and been like, "Oh, butt plugs in here! What the hell? That's the problem. That's why I won't start." Or, I'm not gonna lie, I've never lifted the bonnet of a car. Full stop. I'd know nothing about cars, but I do know my Grease Lightning lyrics. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> That's all I can bring you, I'm afraid. You, the image of you, like before the podcast, is going, go, Grizzland, in your room. Oh, hey, I've brilliant. done my hair and everything before. <laughs> nice. Sorry, listeners, you don't get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week, as our painful pun suggests, we're taking on a film and a franchise known for its cars, amongst many, many other things. It's Fast and Furious, most specifically Fast and Furious 8, A.K.A. The Fate of the Furious. God, it's a so. terrible name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't put F8, like F8, fate, fate. of the, mm. the yeah. Yeah. They, I, they should, I'm, I'm I'd, almost I'd certain like it probably better. was. Yeah, that would have... Yeah. Would, yeah. yeah. I bet they some, did. some clever intern in marketing came up with that, and they went, shut up, you! <laughs> and then he was like, oh, there goes my millionaire idea. It's, I think it's different markets. In in the US, it's the fate of the furious. In some other territories, it is known as F8 or fate. And we in the UK got Fast and Furious 8 because... <laughs> just We're because. So creative. <laughs> no <We're> reason. So <laughs> imaginative. Just because they knew British people would have no fucking time for a title as bad <laughs> as the fate <laughs> of the furious. There isn't even the last one in the franchise. Anyway, yeah. right, we, know, we can discuss that later. <laughs> uh, we will indeed, I'm pretty certain. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't watched the movie yet, or you just need a quick reminder of what the hell happens in this, uh, this episode of the franchise, here's our unofficial, official, 60-ish second summary. On his honeymoon, Dom, played by Vin Diesel, bumps into an old adversary, Cypher, by, played by Charlize Theron. In a nutshell, he's going to betray everyone for her because she has Alana, his baby mama, and his son trapped on a plane. Cut to the old gang all back together working a job. The team split up and Dom sideswipes Hobbs, played by Dwayne Johnson, stealing an EMP from his truck, as you do. Dom's now gone rogue. Hobbs ends up in prison with Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham, another old adversary. They escape, met by Kurt Russell's Mr. Nobody, and he brings everyone together because they used God's Eye, some technology from Final, uh, Final Fantasy, from <laughs> Fast and Furious 7, and they try and find Dom. <laughs> Turns out Dom's actually right there with Cypher. They blow the wall up, throw a load of concussion grenades, and steal the God's Eye tech. So, jumping to London, Dom manages a secret meeting with Dame Helen Mirren, who it turns out is Shaw's mum. They make a deal. Shaw and Hobbs in the meantime have started to have a bit of a love-in, so perhaps there's a spin-off there. Anyway, shortly after that, Dom seizes a case with some nuke codes in it. Well, they call it a nuke football. Don't know why. Whilst the crew try and stop him. Dom shoots Shaw, but you can't shoot Letty, his wife. Uh, not to worry though, Cypher's Viking friend Christopher Heavey turns up. Uh, he's known as Rhodes. He escapes with the case. Cypher orders Rose to kill Alana in front of Dom as punishment. She also explains why she wants to launch the nukes, and it turns out it's all to punish those international superpower governments. Mr. Nobody and Little Nobody, played by Scott Scott Eastwood, give the crew some keys to a tow box. It's a garage full of cars, basically, and they can have any car, or in Ludacris's case, a tank, that they want. Cypher hacks a Russian submarine, carrying nukes, but the team prevent the missile launch because they're all action heroes. There's loads of action, loads of guns, cars, tanks, explosions, and a submarine chasing a load of them on ice. It's great. It's all classic Fast and Furious. Shaw's still alive, it turns out, and him and his brother, another previous bad guy, hijack Cypher's plane. All is explained in a great scene with Helen Mirren and Jason Statham sat around having tea and crying. Shaw saves baby Dom and Dom, um, adult Dom switches back to the good side and saves everyone. Cypher escapes, but it's fine because Dom's alive and he's probably going to want to kill her sometime soon. Dom manages to destroy the sub and the crew protect him from like all the flames and their cars. It's oh heroic, God. it's very powerful. Oh Letty forgives God. her dodgy husband God. as well. 
<laughs> the final scene, everybody's happy. Hobbs doesn't want his job as a cop back. Shaw and Dom are now mates after Shaw saves Baby Dom. And Big Dom, Adult Dom, reveals Baby Dom's name. And of course, it's Brian. The end. To be fair, that was more, there we go. That was more entertaining than the film. So, well done, Matt. <laughs> hey. Thank you. Hey, the film is wonderful, okay? It is a wonderful movie. It's a boring, fast and furious, which I thought I'd never say. What? Yeah, I was just really bored the whole way through. There was there were some good set pieces, but there wasn't like a fast and furious set piece. I mean, like if you've seen like the trailer for Nine and they drive off a bridge and somehow it gets like connected to the underside of their car and they fling around the other side. Like we had yeah. the the car barricade and stuff. We had the scene at the start, but I was just like, there's no, there's no. I don't want to say like soul because I don't know if the other fast and furious. Well, they did kind of have a soul. This one just felt really like just I don't know empty. I felt like we're going to come on to this well, in a little bit. I do want to ask about something, but I mean. I, I don't know if you watch the same movie. It's uh, I feel like it's certainly <laughs> furious, this film. There's a fucking submarine chasing a bunch of cars and tanks on ice. It's, yeah, so, that, like, is, that was a great a another day. From, from your there heart to out. the end is great. Whatever like... Brosnan can do, <laughs> these guys have got <laughs> tenfold on it. Yeah. It was where um, he died another the day. Zombie, the car zombie apocalypse in London. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Scene. It's New York, isn't it? I thought it was London. I thought that was where they were meeting Helen Mirren. Nah, you know, she's she's just, she's in just, some urban city in Western uh, Western world, they meet up with Helen Mirren and then they get some bomb codes. We're, we're, I don't know why we're arguing about the pedantics of this movie. There's probably yeah. a lot more we can discuss. The, well, the yeah. movie doesn't care about the pedantics of it. It's <laughs> yeah. the most, like, this movie has fucking the rock hanging out the side of a car holding a torpedo and, <laughs> and, and slightly and, pushing it that's yeah. yeah like aiming it and and so he's holding it back he's holding the rocket back <laughs> it's it's like this movie i i kind of get andy i wonder if some of your feeling of boredom mm. comes from the fact that like vin diesel in these films is just he might as well be Superman. Like, his his car can do literally whatever the plot yeah. needs it to do at that exact second. He cannot lose. And But what's interesting is he can't lose because it's in his contract. And neither can anyone that's, else. That's, yeah, that's... Uh, and this really was something that, I, that I've heard over the last few years. Like, uh, the issues of... Um, Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson's relationship on set aside, because apparently that's a big reason why the spin-off has happened, is because like <laughs> they were just like, nah, not going to work with each other anymore. Apparently fences have been mended a little bit. But also it's in all of their contracts. They have assistants on set Count counting punches. the number of punches Jesus. that actors receive so that it no one gets hit more than anyone else. And you'll notice, like, no one ever loses fights in these movies. Mm. Like, something else comes along and gets in the way. None of the lead characters ever lose. No one's ever brought they to their get... knees or anything as well, I think I read. Like, no one's ever made to look smaller than another person. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. just... And so there is no jeopardy. You mm. never for a second believe that Dom is going to be bad for the whole movie. And you never for a second mm. believe that anyone is at any risk. But the, the thing like, is... Like, particularly I, now. That's fine. I'm, I'm used mm. to that with a Fast and Furious movie. That's why I go into him. I think if, the, if they tried to keep the reason Dom went rogue from the audience, then it would have made it, for me anyway, just a bit more exciting. If he, like, just got a phone call randomly and then came back and he was slightly weird... And then the next day when they did the uh, the EMP heist, he just went rogue. Everyone, even the audience, you know, in the trailer, the whole thing is like, why has he gone rogue? We don't know until the end. Um, I mean, you don't find out until quite late in the film. I just chucked it in at the beginning of this synopsis. Yeah, no, but you, yeah, yeah, but you, 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 you still do. Yeah, you see he's, yeah, he's you, you see he he's you not see deep. him be blackmailed, yeah. even though you don't know what the what the blackmail yeah. is. Mm. Like, we should have seen like he was taking a phone call. He's come back. He's a little bit shaken. Letty's like, "You're right," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Um, yeah. And then next scene, he's gone rogue, and everyone's like, "But then you probably would have had to ch uh, change the the twist because I don't know if that would have been strong enough just to to reveal well, like a and baby." It's all, but it's it's like Why these. Just tell <laughs> I don't I don't know how much these how much these filmmakers actually care about like you only need integrity, to integrity of characters. <laughs> 
But for a character, the the reason that the twist works in some in any fashion is because this whole franchise, and even from the first movie, the second movie we don't really talk about, and the third one we don't really talk about either, but they are about family. They're all about family and drinking Coronas at a barbecue with family. And so it's about him turning on his family. And that it works as a twist, but you're you're right, Andy. It's like there there, there is there's no tension. Baddie shows up, mm. and it's like, oh well, he's he's going to go bad, and then he does for a bit, but he's not really, and then he's not, and they win by shielding him from oh an my explosion god, that was a great bit. That cars. was that was a Fast and Furious scene where I was just like I, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, he would have been fucking it. burnt to a crisp, but that was beautiful. This, That's why I paid money to see this. I mean, it's probably in the, the, the really. It's the really rote line of this is a franchise that started off with the big action set piece being people stealing DVD players out the back oh, of a God. lorry, and now it's this. Yeah. It's it's you, mad. You have opened it up, and I want to get Russ in on this as well because I know how he kind of feels about it a bit. But how, like, basically, my question to you guys is, going from the first Fast and Furious movie, which, as you say, was... A bunch of guys just doing a little bit of dodgy raiding uh, in some really nice cars, <laughs> but very much a grounded, you know, modern action thriller. Prime. To where we are now, how over the top these movies are, how the hell do you think they have kept people hooked for so long, considering this movie made $1.2 billion at the box office? How are they still keeping so many people? Tom Cruise did just tries to one up them every time. Tom Cruise literally goes like, "What's the what's a bigger stunt I could do? What's a bigger, more dangerous stunt?" They just go, "What's a bigger thing? Is this true, or is it a rumor that they're apparently going to space? How have they not been to space already?" But like, go fuck it, yeah. uh, the, The trailer for the trailer for the next one has a car with rockets on it <laughs> in in like the upper atmosphere oh, yeah, it yeah. looks like I remember now but, yeah so we won't talk not... too much about space right now Russ huh we might be talking about that in a bit but <laughs> oh. we haven't heard very much from you at all do tell like what are your feelings on it Russ um i'm a big fan of action movies and i um i think this is the sort of modern day commando exactly. type um film and i think that's why cuz I think that's why people like them, um, because they're so over-the-top ridiculous, uh, and you can just sit there and just dull out to them. Like you don't, it doesn't take, it doesn't require much thinking. Um, I almost, I <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost think that I'm surprised that Vin Diesel, especially at the beginning of that movie. Uh, doesn't just constantly look at the camera every time he says like a quote of like you've already earned my respect <laughs> wink and, like, the camera yeah. yeah and I just expect him to just look at the camera and just say yeah um, and yeah you're right Drew like there is no jeopardy like in the in any of those films you don't ever think any of them are gonna die um, or like ever um, mm-hmm. and yeah they sort of just happen and you're like ah oh, it's the rock uh, he's be- uh, he's he's got he's got his arms cut cut out of his uh, jumpsuit so that it shows off his muscles oh he's been put right opposite shore that that's okay oh they've escaped um and yeah, yeah it's just all it's all Don't just like he can pin Scott Eastwood it's a 90 degree angle up in the air yeah, for an infinite <laughs> amount of time, and then this whole backstory of uh, we the the uh, the explanation as to how he met up with Helen Mirren as well. He no. got the guy who he who he went to who he had a race with in Cuba to come all the way to America to park his car in front of a camera which he didn't know was yeah. probably going to be. He looked at a bank a bank camera across the street directly in its eyes and went okay she's gonna definitely be looking at me from over here so make sure you reverse your car all the way down this alleyway and just wait there i'm just gonna pop out for five minutes to talk to helen mirren uh 
and she's like, bonnet, "Give me like... a, give me a bloody, get me a bloody vision on him, a reflection, anything." It's like, is there no, is there no cameras that would ever pick him up? What yeah, about the other like side not... of the alleyway? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so it's like especially in the previous films, making this big deal of the god's eye being able to find anyone anywhere at any time <laughs> infallibly, and then Dom is the one person on earth. <laughs> Who can find the black spot in the middle of one of the most densely populated cities on the planet? And d- densely right. populated with auto-driven cars as well. Uh, <laughs> wow. This has got to be the yes. most uh, most auto-driven cars in one city. Um, well, I kind of the, uh, I did think to myself because my initial reaction was, well, yeah, but uh, cars can't drive themselves. But actually, the amount of cars that have like auto parking and have camera sensors and things, yeah, it, I, I, it, it, that didn't feel as infeasible to me as I as it felt like when I put some thought into it. Only, only because I can kind of imagine. If you can make a car park itself, you can tell a car how to park and how to accelerate and put itself in gear. So, would, like, it's still mental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have liked them to build the world rather than go, oh, there's just loads of, like, say, like, do an advert for a car thing going, and now we're introducing this new auto-driven car. It's available everywhere. And, like, or establish the world as this is a, yeah. this is a common yeah, yeah. thing rather That's than... Fair. Rather than just go, yeah, there's loads in this city. Like, there's you loads. could even have Vin Diesel make a comment about it and be like, "That's not real driving." <laughs> yeah, have him fight against the auto-driving car. Like, oh damn, yeah. I should well, have like put that in my pitch. Have him punch a yeah. car. Yeah, how we could improve this film. <laughs> <laughs> However, we could talk about this all evening. We could talk about this and on and on and on. But I think it's time we just dive in, get some scores from you all, and move on into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Without further ado, let's spin around the screen. Uh, Ross, I'll come to you first. Can I get your score, please, good sir? I'm going to give it three self-driving cars out of five. It's uh, it's it's not the greatest Fast and Furious, but it's okay. You know, it's entertaining for what it is. So that that's what I would give it. Okay, okay, thank you, uh, Drew. I'll come to you next. Yeah, it exactly the same. I would recommend it because it's got a load of it's just so mad <laughs> and I want people to discuss it because <laughs> it not because it's good but because it's mad and this whole in the same way that the Marvel franchise the MCU is worth knowing about just for discussion about the impact that it's had on the industry Honestly, I think that Fast and Furious has quietly, or maybe not quite so quietly, been ticking along in the background, kind of keeping a different arm of action cinema going. So yeah, um, three For sure. gun gunfights on a plane, holding a baby in a in a car seat. Yeah, that was the five. Best. That was my favorite bit. To be fair, oh, that was brilliant. It. That was it's yeah, fun. That was yeah. it's fun. It, it is a lot of whips. fun. Statham's quips throughout that. Yeah, was yeah. that was a good he's, fight as well. That was he's good. Yeah. They're all good. Like everyone's good. I there's part of me that wants to rate it a lot more highly, but also I hate so much about this movie that I just, <laughs> in good conscience, I can't. I I love so much of it and I hate so much of it. So middle of the road three for sure, Andy. Yeah, three as well. Can't say much more than the others. It's uh, not the best. Definitely a recommendation because it's got some good bits in there. But um, yeah, probably the lowest one. Probably well, one of the lowest Fast and Furious. There are probably worse ones out there, but it's got there. There are. There are. Yeah, but um, ah, three. Too too fast. Too furious yeah. is an abomination. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> no, three three fiery car blockades because yeah, that's just. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I had to pause the film after that and, and take a minute because that was pretty good. <laughs> um, you know what, boys? I'm just going to, just for sake of ease and clarity, I'm going to join you all on the Three Brigade. Uh, three, just want to talk about the fact that there's some major terrorist level crimes committed throughout this movie, as always, as well. You know, how they get away with this, how none of them are just locked up for life for what they've done. They the break massive into a ball. German military yeah. base. Mm. Right. Like, they like... break into a military base belonging to their government's allies to steal something <laughs> oh, that God. surely this 
the American government would have the resources to build. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And they drop loads of and they drop loads of cars on a guy, and then Dominic Dominic comes with like a weird army of two sort of like skin that he's got hockey mask, right? And a smiley face wrecking ball that wrecks through. Yeah, takes countless numbers of lives in that scene. I was just like that. That kill They kill so many They go to all this trouble to put a bomb on a wrecking ball. Just put the bomb in the road. But hey, it is a Fast and Furious film, guys, and we have scored it a very, very simple three out of five. It's our first unanimous score. As well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listeners, you are welcome to judge all four of us, but at least we're in it together. At least yeah, we yeah. have committed to this score together. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Fast Furious 8 and all the other Fast and Furious films, side films, and everything else coming up with it. Anyway, now let's rev those engines and burn that quarter mile. Sorry, another Grease Lightning reference. It's time to get your sequels pitched. As always, you will bring me your sequel pitch, not the script. And afterwards, I'll fire some plot-based and pressing questions at all of you. This week, we're going to start with Ross. Ross, what is your title, please? My uh, my title is called Fast and Furious 9, colon, Nos Time to Die. (laughs) <laughs> take oh, it Ross, take, the, take, take the it win. away that was amazing take it away oh, oh this movie they say oh this is Cuba NOS and it's like NOS is just yeah, nitrous yeah. oxide yeah. it doesn't matter that it's from Cuba yeah. sorry Cuban NOS <laughs> Um, the film opens and we see Dominic and Letty lining up to a race but we only see their faces and we don't see the details of the car but it looks like a convertible we then have loads of fast cuts of their faces reacting to the driving then we hear a screech and Dominic looks angry Letty laughs and the camera pans out and we see they're in go-karts in a theme park Um, Letty is with Dominic's kid in one of the uh, cart and Dominic is in the other. Uh, they reconvene and all laugh, loving family moment. Ah, oh, but then all of a sudden, Dominic sees someone appear behind Letty. Uh oh, it's Cipher. She pulls out a gun, shoots Letty dead, and then uh, shoot, shoots. <laughs> <laughs> she shoots Dominic. He falls to the floor, seeing her take, uh, and then he sees her take Dominic's kid and says, "Don't worry, he'll grow up lo- living his life." A quarter mile at a time. Uh, and she gets in a car and drives off. Um, Dominic uses his manliness to man up and shrug the, <laughs> and shrug the bullets off. And cr- to man the bullet the out of him. <laughs> he shrugs the bullets off and crawls to his car. Insert a five-minute car chase, which ends up with Dominic crashing and the car blows up. Dominic then wakes up in a hospital bed. We hear a TV that a huge asteroid is going to miss Earth. Phew, isn't that lucky? Maybe it's foreshadowing. No, uh, Nowhere is looking at him. Um, the guy nowhere, not nowhere. Um, yeah, no, we, nobody. Oh, that's it. Nobody, sorry. <laughs> no, nowhere was where they were. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. now. Um, we learn that Letty unfortunately died, but Dominic was so manly that he survived. Um, but not without change. He lifts up his arms and they are robotic. We learn that Cypher We learn that Cypher is still at large and that she's planning something even bigger than the last movie. Dominic is angry and he says he needs help from his family. Cue next portion of the movie getting all the old gang back together. Maybe doing uh, Dominic doing some racing shit or something and attending Letty's funeral. Uh, once they're all back, we learn that a warehouse owned by a huge corporation, Elon Tusk, has been broken into. <laughs> they suspect it's Cypher. Uh, they <laughs> head there uh, to find that it is indeed Cypher and her men. Cue a 10-minute car chase scene in and around the warehouse. Like, it's going to be, like, in the warehouse and they, like chase each other chase the bad guys um and then the gang learned that cypher is stealing loads of revolutionary new cars and that and that that can go to space uh, with ease space cars dominic sees dominic sees his kids 
uh, sees his kid, fights um, Cypher a little bit, um, and manages to get his kid back, but fails to stop her, and she gets away in one of the space cars. Um, he he leaves the kid behind with one of the other people. I don't know who yet. Um, and then the team uh, have to take chase, but they only have like the old versions of the space car, so they're kind of shit. Um, and uh, what's his name? What's his bloody name? Um, oh, what is his name? The one, the one that always. Everyone Tyrese. takes the piss out of Roman. Tyrese. Roman. Yes, it. Roman has a really oh, no, shit one, and they all make like they all make fun of him because it's like it goes or whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, so the team uh, see that Cipher. Um, oh wait, hold on. Sorry. Um, cue another space car chase scene as they're like sort of going into space. Um, they see uh, the team and the gang see that Cypher and her men are heading towards the asteroid as mentioned earlier on the TV. <laughs> and, that they, and, they, and they start to move it using their rocket-fueled cars in the trajectory in the trajectory back into the path of Earth. <laughs> Um, so Dominic ends up trying to kill Cypher somehow, and, uh, I don't know how, I couldn't really remember, um, and then flies towards the asteroid and jumps out of the car at the last minute and blows... Um, listeners, I'm so sorry you can't see this. We have never in all of our episodes had an episode where people can't actually stay on screen because they're crying with laughter right now. Um, <laughs> Ross, do continue. <laughs> Dominic jumps out of the car the last minute and blows up the asteroid. Dominic is left there in space, dying. Cut to black. End of the movie. <laughs> But he doesn't actually die, so it may lead on to another one. I mean, I thought you were going to have a survive re-entry, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. Um, Ross, thank you so, so much for that pitch and for that ending. That is um, a bonkers ending. Uh, My first question to you, Ross... What the fuck inspired this idea? Uh, I don't know. I just thought, you know, bring her back. Uh, have him, have her still, have the jeopardy of, you know, uh, her killing Letty. And then take it. I thought of the most bonkers idea. And I thought an asteroid. Uh, <laughs> that you did. That you did. <laughs> I thought an asteroid missing Earth and then being pushed back into the trajectory of Earth. Was was a bonkers idea, so I thought, why not? It I is, cannot argue that. with that at all. Um, tell me, why does why does Cipher want to destroy planet Earth in this episode? Well, you know, start again. You know, because she says she wants to start. She wants to. She's just so mad. She's just so mad at the world. Um, and, she wants to uh, kill every single being on it and destroy the planet while she's there. Yeah, fair. <laughs> that is naturally that's a step up. From well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't kill. Maybe like maybe she wouldn't, and then she'd go back down onto the planet and she'd rule the planet. Then uh, okay. and then 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 you do. Trust me. Then you do sort of like a Planet of the Apes type. Uh, Fast and Furious for the next one, just, where Dominic like where the Domin- take over the world, like the world, <laughs> where, where Dominic, where Dominic and he's actually part of the Pixar universe. <laughs> no, where Dominic gets picked up and then he comes back to Earth, but everyone's everyone's dead, um, or something. I don't know. I haven't thought that far yet. No problem uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> oh dear me right okay let's let's kind of focus in on some of the uh, narrative points of this movie i think let's go for yeah. there um we have a very nice playful intro uh it quickly turns quite dark with brian being taken away why have you decided to kill letty off again <laughs> well you know jeopardy in it is about family and um <laughs> what more motivate because i feel that he never has any motivation like 
really. So I thought, you know, raise the stakes, kill off Letty. And also, I hate the fact that none of them ever die. So I was like, kill her off. Kill her off. Fair. I was going to kill the kid, but then also everyone hates me killing kids in my <laughs> pictures. So I just, I thought I'd leave the kid. Outrageous. Yeah. How dare people hate me. <laughs> oh, do you know, I mean, I'd written these questions in, in linear order at first, but I just want to ask this one anyway. Uh, they they also take another interesting turn in the hospital, and prior to everything else that we hear at the end of this movie, do you think that there's a risk that robotics may have gone a little bit too far for a mid-scene uh, sequence? Well, I was going to I was gonna have it, like, him... I was going to focus on like him learning how to drive again with robotics arms and like him being really like ha- having to adjust to having uh, robotic arms. Uh, but I didn't have that chance to uh, expand on that in my pitch, unfortunately, because I just write the pitch. I don't write the script, you know. You know <laughs> That's you know. fine. We can work it in the street races that you've put in there. I see. Yeah, yeah. He's like. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. I mean, I do have to say, unfortunately, we're not going to see any Planet of the Apes Fast and Furious crossovers as they are owned under very different umbrellas, one <laughs> being Disney and one being Universal, but it's fine. Things <laughs> Weirder things have happened. But thank you, Ross. I will let you take a breather now on what is that's the what most my next amazing pitch that's I've what, ever heard. That's what my next one's going to be called, Planet of the Cars. Um, <laughs> Fast and Furious, <laughs> Planet of the Cars. Oh my God, Dom falling in love oh with a car. God. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. And I mean, let's get straight into we have to go with this person next after hearing Ross's pitch. Uh, Andy, what is your sequel pitch title, please? All right. I've got two titles, so I'll let the, uh, the focus group pick the winner, basically. It's fine. Um, we've okay. got Fast 9, The Fast versus The Furious, or Fast 9, Tomb Raiders. So, we open in Egypt, where we see Dom and Letty trying to have an actual honeymoon. They go walking through the town and run into Hobbs, who's on holiday. They both see each other and start saying, you followed me here! No, you followed me here! Dom says he just wants a bit of peace and says, if you keep away, it'll be fine. It's just the two of us, after all. Of course, we hear Roman screaming at Dom, and when Dom turns around, he sees the whole gang there, and Roman acts like he didn't plan this. And then we have some family scenes, but everyone's having some fun. Dom gets into a street race with an, uh, a man named George Edward, who's the richest man in Egypt and a known criminal who is so rich he owns the police. Dom asks if he can drive someone's car, saying it's not the car, but the driver that wins races. Dom and George, uh, Dom and George race, but Dom wins, but George doesn't give his car over. The audience watching are silent, fearful, and George walks away laughing. That evening, Dom forms, forms a plan with the gang to break into George's mansion and steal the car. We have a fancy party scene where some of the gang are outside in vans doing surveillance and some are in the party. Uh, Roman tries to be cool, but he's overwhelmed by the food and the women and the decor and the women and the drinks and the women. Dom, Letty and Hobbs uh, either break into the house or they can enter all fancy like with Roman. And Dom, Dom, Letty and Hobbs find their way to George's bedroom looking for his keys. And we can have an optional garage scene first where they try and find the keys there. And we uh, see loads of pretty cars. While looking, Dom finds George has a lot of books and research on old Egyptian emperors, and one in particular, Rasmus XII, an emperor who went mad with power and tried to perform a ritual that would have made him more powerful than a god. But the ritual was interrupted and Rasmus was stopped and mummified, being buried under a pyramid with the three magical stones he needed and lost. Suddenly, the room gets uh, swarmed by guards, there's a fight, and Letty and the Rock manage to get away, but Dom gets taken. The Rock and Letty go back and tell the gang what happened, but they say they don't know where Dom is. Just then, we hear a voice in the shadows. If you need to find a shifty-looking place, I know where every shifty place in this country is. And the gang turns around to see motherfucking Rick O'Connell. Yeah, when we're crossing over the the Mummy franchise. Rick takes the gang to his bar and to gun up, and they all take a car that Rick owns, but Hobbs goes for a souped-up Jeep. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> they return to the pyramid and search for Dom. We see Dom is handcuffed to a slab, and George tells his goon, "I need one more stone. We found the map. Now go find it." Some goons go look for the stone, and half the gang go uh, go and beat them up and take the map. They use the map to find the stone, and along ways along the way, passing tests uh, tests like Indiana Jones. While cutting back to the other half of the gang, looking over Dom. Suddenly, George isn't there, and once the gang find the stone, they run into George and some of his goons and fight. George and the boys win, and the other half of the gang are found. 
They're all tied up with George about to sacrifice Dom and we see magic flowing into jo uh, George when suddenly Rick, who was either hiding or he broke free, shoots George in the chest. He starts to untie Dom, but George gets up and shoots Rick in the back, killing him. Dom, Dom and the gang run, but George performs a spell that turns his goons into sand creatures, or the furious fighters. They then dive into the sand and appear behind the gang and fight. And the creatures don't actually die, they just regenerate from the sand, so he kind of roam in like screaming. Uh, George makes another creature. Hobbs, t Hobbs turns around and is greeted by a giant scorpion leg. And we have Hobbs versus the Scorpion King. Oh, for f Dom, Dom fights George and steals the stones and they run outside into their cars and drive away. George runs out and absorbs all the sand creatures and some of the sound around him and starts chasing after the cars as a giant sand creature. Hobbs says he's got a plan and Dom leads George to a pyramid where, which is when we see Hobbs driving up the other side of it. When he gets to the, uh, when he gets to the top, just as Dom is passing underneath and George, giant George is right next to him, Hobbs throws a belt full of grenades into George's mouth causing giant George to explode. We get an optional scene where he transforms back into a human form and you uh, actually arrest him or kill him then. The last scene is in Rick's bar. They all raise a glass to him, but wouldn't you know it, there's Rick at the end of the bar laughing, saying, ha, ha, ha. It was, uh, he was brought back when George's magic died, he, but he's had enough fun for one day and he has a family to get back to. He leaves and Dom looks to his family. He raises a glass and they toast. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, cool. All right, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, let's get straight into this one. Oh my god, Andy! What Drives the up a pyramid. fuck inspired this cross between two universes, please? Um, you know what? When I was really thinking about the motivations of characters for uh, for my for my sequel, no, I, don't, I just thought it would be really good. I thought. Just um, remembered they were both owned by Universal. Yeah. yeah, I guess at least you've at least you've ticked that box. That's a box that Ross couldn't tick with his <laughs> and, Planet of the Apes sequel. And Andy, Andy has actually fully retconned the Universal Dark Universe thing, and Some he's done that successfully. Building that up. Um, do tell me though. My second question about this is: How are you going to deal with the fact that Dwayne Johnson is already in the Mummy universe? As oh, because it would be it'd be a it'd be a CGI monster that looks kind of like the Rock, but uh, I see. I mean, yeah, the 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 Scorpion King monster it was at awful the end anyway, doesn't look anything yeah. like the Rock. So. Yeah, we could just have the same <laughs> yeah, CGI. Yeah, and, um, I feel like you might be walking a fine line. You might have to explain that and deal with a lot of disgruntled actors as Dwayne Johnson demands ungodly royalties for this <laughs> franchise. Yeah, well, he'd be playing the two parts. He'd be doing the mocap for the Scorpion King as well. So oh, okay, oh, the classic Andy Circus technique. I oh, like yeah, it. Yeah. I like it. Why am I helping um, defend? <laughs> <laughs> My last question about this is uh, in terms of this franchise uh, merger mm -hmm. which audience are you actually targeting with this film <laughs> everyone I'm targeting everyone the Fast and Furious um, the, now, the, now the money I, I would like a more specific audience target than everyone because I don't think you're going to get everyone if you're trying to target everyone I'm going to go for say 18 to 35 year olds who just want to have a good time and like a laugh Okay, you're, you're skipping around my question of whether you're targeting the Fast and Furious demographic or the Mummy demographic here, taking yeah, away gender, age, etc. Okay, more uh, to the Fast I, and Furious because it's it's more of that film. But I want like okay. the Mummy fans to kind of go, oh, we could kind of watch checking. this as well. That was what I was checking. Oh, okay, okay, thank you. Okay, um, I, I have a question. I want to get into the uh, some of the kind of couple of plotty bits here. Um. First and foremost, considering this is a sequel to Fast and Furious 8, uh, that there was a lot of plots left unanswered and open at the end of 8. Why not simply continue with that narrative into Fast and Furious 9? Um, I don't know. I couldn't really think of anything that was going to be massive with the other things. And I wanted to, I wanted to have a... Uh, I, actually, the first idea was just to have Dom and uh, <coughs> Leslie on the honeymoon and something happened from there. So, um, yeah, I kind of, like, saw it more of a, a side story that turns into a full movie. Okay, okay. Um, do you think if... Okay, on that notion, then, um, that the side story, let's say that this is George um, and his not wanting to give a car away, do you think after everything that this team have been through, something as little as 
This guy didn't give me his car. We need to go and cause yeah, unholy hell on this place. It's the respect you right, get after okay. the car. Even if you lose, uh, I can't remember the guy who had the first, but obviously the, came, the guy who came back. He didn't like Dom, but he was like, hey, you won, fair's fair, respect, man. He had my keys, and then Dom respectfully was like, your respect is good enough. Okay, so, so you're just to find that they would uh, go into this on that notion. Okay, I, I guess I could buy that. Um... Where where would Fast and Furious 10 go from here? If we've got a Planet of the Apes sequel for Ross, where the <laughs> hell would your sequel go? Mine would go after eight. Like I say, mine's like... Think no, of it as, no, as, as, after as a this small... movie. Sorry, after your pitch. What's oh, the what, movie what's that 10, comes sorry, after your pitch? Oh, well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they can go back to, say, The God's Eye, and we can have actually say the, the John Cena film that we're having now. Um... This I wanted, to, yeah, just a little side story, but big enough to be okay. uh, world so after ending. So magical sad people were going back to what we'd call normality. Okay, cool. Okay, thank you. Um, Imagine going back to that after fucking like <laughs> fucking giant scorpion king. Like everyone would be like, oh, this is shit. This one compared to the scorpion king. Uh, I don't know, man. If they're, going, if they're going into this space in the, the next one, on this one, then I'd, I'd be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, not writing that one. I'm writing this one, Matt. I don't care about ten. That's another person's problem. <laughs> that, that's that. Okay, that's fine. Uh, quite combative, but fine. Um, in the on that note, I'm going to move swiftly onto our final picture of the evening. Uh, Drew, you've got some very interesting pictures to follow. <laughs> What's the title of yours, please? Uh, so mine is um, Fast and Furious Nine. <laughs> About <laughs> last, <laughs> no. I do. I kid. I am fully partial. Please, Drew. Uh, the floor is yours. Okay, so it's two or three years later uh, from the end of Fast Eight. Um, the movie opens with Ramsey leading the crew, minus Dom and Letty, um, and actually including. We need a new crew member, um, and so if you guys have seen Cabin in the Woods, um, Franz Kranz. Or Fran Kranz from Cabin in the Woods. I see him being like a good kind of slightly nerdy fit. And I just think he might bring some good energy to the team. Uh, we see them uh, getting called in to help because there's been an attack on the God's Eye. And DSS has been driving around a load of identical trucks with one of them with God's Eye in it. Um, so that Cypher couldn't find it. But she's found it. There are loads of goons. There's a huge chase through New York because, yeah, why not? Or any city where there's a big tunnel under a river. Um, huge chase, really exciting action, all the stuff you'd expect. It ends up in this tunnel under the river. There's a huge explosion. The tunnel starts collapsing. There's water coming in everywhere. The team obviously all make it up fine, but without God's Eye. The, the God's Eye has the, the, the source code that Ramsey wrote has finally been destroyed and it is off the table and it can't be there as a backup for everyone to fall back on to use to find whoever they need to find anywhere in the bloody world for the rest of this film series <laughs> um at this point the uh, the crew kind of feel like they have to give up their search for cypher um but they know that she can't get her hands on the god's eye either and so they're just like you know if we go to ground maybe we'll all be safe and so they go to enjoy their lives and that's where we reintroduce dom letty and little brian um they're all living happily it's been a few years dom's running a, a car garage again and fixing up cars he's loving life they all come around for a barbecue of course they're all drinking corona of course they're all talking about family a lot um and they're all kind of the, the crew who haven't settled down are all talking about what they're going to do with their lives now. Um, little nobody's there too, of course. Um, then Cypher arrives with her new henchman, Birch. I'm seeing Dave Batista. I think he's a good sort of su substitute rock energy, um, but good to have another big baddie. Massive gunfight. Um, little nobody is shot and killed. Um, he's out of it. He's dead. Um, actually, maybe Mr. Nobody's there too, and he's dead too. Like, yeah, they're, they they both die. They're off the table. Um, more baddies arrive and everyone has to run. There's a massive chase and they're all trying to keep little Brian safe. And so they're like passing his car seat between cars in transit and like blocking, like getting their car in between other cars that are trying to ram Dom's car that has little Brian. And they're all getting really injured while all this is happening, but they all make it away. Um, in their like safe house, they see they've been framed for the murders of 
um, Scott Eastwood and Kurt Russell. Um, they're on the top of Interpol's most wanted list. The FBI is. Everyone in the world is looking for them. They're public enemy number one. They have to go under the radar and they have no resources. They have nothing at their disposal except their wits and the ability to drive really fast. Um, luckily, though, Cypher is on the same page. It's us versus them. Whatever she's got, she doesn't have firmly, etc., etc. Um, but first off, they have to get baby Brian safe. So they take Brian to Brian and Mia. Um, they leave him on the doorstep and they're like, one of them rings the doorbell and walks off and then another one puts down like the car seat and leaves him with a letter um, so that people wouldn't notice. And you have a distant shot so you can get Paul Walker's brothers in and do the face replacement again. So they're there at the door and they pick up little Brian and they read the letter. It's all really emotional. There's lots of emotional music and Dom's there like in the distance, maybe a single tear, but it's probably in his contract that he can't cry. Um, but as 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 much emotion as Vin Diesel will allow himself to show, uh, he does, and then they all have to disappear, and they go on the run, and they end up. They're like, oh, we need more money. We're we're running out of stuff. We need. What's the best way for us to make money? Underground racing, and they go to the biggest underground racing event in the world, in whatever country will pay the most money to have their city in it, um, or whichever country has the most tax breaks for filming. I don't care what country it is. Um, the crew do loads of driving; they're winning. It's awesome. There's really sick races. There's like many, many subplots of them racing some dickheads and making new friends. Blah 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 blah. And then, of course, Cipher and Dave Batista show up again. There's more huge fighting um, in whatever famous giant landmark is in that particular city um but then the crew reveal it was a trap they put the word out they were going into underground racing to lure cypher to them because they knew she'd find out um they want to bring her in alive to clear their names so they can't kill them um but because of that cypher gets the upper hand and escapes you have a massive chase where all of the street racers join the legendary dom and his crew in hunting down cypher and the baddies and so it's like a fucking 1000 mile car chase with like as dom's car's running out of petrol a new crew will drive up and he'll take their car and they jump in his car while it runs out of petrol and all just mad stuff like that um eventually they do catch up um dom climbs on uh david batista's vehicle which is probably some sort of giant tank of course they have a massive fight and he kills david batista he's out of it they catch up to cypher but she shoots dom and he's legitimately wounded but letty catches up and the rest of the crew all jump on they bring her down and they sort of take her down non-lethally they tell her that they're bringing her in um, she has her big monologue about how all she wanted to do was fix the world and bring it into line it's a terrible place she would be the best one to fix it but now all she has is hate and she has nothing left and she taps a little code into her watch and boom she blows up a bomb that is inside herself there's a massive crash um but of course everyone's everyone's alive just they're all sort of end of movie banged up um the crew have got their revenge but they have to remain on the run they have no way of clearing their names dom has another nice big monologue about family um we see dom and letty watching brian and little brian in the park from a distance and they vow they'll find a way to clear their names and we still have room for the two more movies that are contractually obligated in this series end of movie <laughs> amazing thank you very much <laughs> Now you see, when I when I asked for sequels to uh, Fast and Furious Eight, these were kind of what I was expecting. But <laughs> <laughs> mm. we uh, we've had quite an interesting source. Cool, right, Drew? I think we can uh, just dive a little more into plot. I think with yours, without going too ec- ec- excitable like we have in some of the others. Um, first and foremost, I need to know why are Little Nobody and Mister Nobody at this family barbecue? You know, because they they show up at the last one, mm-hmm. um, at the end of at the end of Fast Eight, and like it's more for the plot thing of them, of them being killed off. So that I wanted the crew to lose their support network. I still wanted to have big big action, but part of the issue with this series for me is that they have all of the resources in the world, <laughs> yeah. and I wanted it. I wanted them to have to not have that, and so. You kill Little Nobody and Mr. Nobody and in have them blamed for it. And so in one fell swoop, they lose their two backers and they have everyone else in the world hunting them at the same time. And so, and because they showed up at the end of the last one and they're all pretty pally with them, I feel like it, it kind of plays. Like maybe Mr. Nobody shows up to give Little Nobody a briefing and Cypher was tailing him. Okay. 
Nice. Um, we you brought Brian back into it. Um, do you feel that and bringing Brian in and any scenes with Brian is going to tarnish that really pivotal, really poignant moment at the end of Fast Seven with the send off for Paul Walker? Um, I I agree that it's a risk. Um, you could potentially like have him shot entirely from behind, um, or just have have it be um. Is it? It's Jordana Brewster, be on, be the one who's on screen, and you hear his voice like calling out for Mia, and and then you wouldn't have any of that kind of stuff. I, I like in all seriousness, I, I, I feel like I've seen them say that they're open to potentially using his brothers to get new footage, mm. and that's why I felt like it would be okay. But there would be ways around it to still heavily imply that he's there without having him on screen. Cool. Okay. Um. The, the sp- and and sorry oh, yeah. and also because because he only shows up in really emotionally raw moments of the film i i it would be he's there for a very important reason in the film it's not just show it, having him show up for the hell of it okay cool thank you um the when we get into the street race vibe in those scenes um and how you know you say that it's a trap thematically and stylistically are you shooting these to feel like a trap or are you shooting this so that it feels like it takes a very different direction from the first chunk of the movie yeah yeah it's you in in exactly the same way as dom shoots shaw um and then it turns out he's actually alive and it's all fine it's very much that vibe of they go there they need money then they start to enjoy it then they really get into it and it's basically i i wanted to bring it back to street racing in a big way i wanted street racing to be a a major plot point of the movie because i i desperately want to keep the bonkers but try to steer it back to where it came from um but yeah so i it would be a very fun second act like and in the kind of situation where hopefully the audience kind of forgets how emotionally serious it has been up until this point until cypher shows up and that's where it looks like all is lost but then actually the crew are ready for it and they've got the upper hand again okay um then my next question kind of touches on something that we talked about in how it kind of feels like there's no jeopardy and whatnot uh cypher's death considering she is such an influential antagonist um her death just seems trying to find the right word for it almost like a little tepid like what could be added around that scene i know we've got the monologue um but in terms of upping the ante more i know that again likewise she's the only one that can clear their names per se but is there more ante and more jeopardy for the family in terms of potential scars that could be left not necessarily killing any of them but how they all just come out of it with as you put it end of movie bruising um I mean, it, it. for me, it was her having shot Dom and being in a position to finish him off that would fulfil that as far as I was seeing it. But frankly, like, I mean, Ludacris looks like he's getting bored of doing these films, so maybe she kills him. I'm like, I, I, and any of them who fancy getting out of their contract, maybe you kill Fran Krantz because he's the newbie. Um, but yeah, it, it's... When I was trying to come up with the pitch... I I very nearly went to space and in I'm being deadly serious about this I nearly was like right okay so they go to space in this one but then they end up destroying like Cypher destroys the satellite network for all global communications and so the world falls into anarchy and then it's up to them to restore balance to the entire fucking world and I was like so that would have been it was either go even more bonkers in that direction or take it the opposite direction and my pitch for this would be for the final two movies in the front in the in the franchise in in the franchise it's it's them clearing their name that's that's the the final two like perhaps even 10 is them clearing their name and 11 is the soft reboot where it's them like it's them setting up it's almost a smaller movie that's them setting up a street racing circuit and bringing in all the new characters and it's all of the old characters driving off into the sunset with the new characters there ready to take up the mantle but 
Okay. Well, there you go. There we have it. Three very, very different pictures, I think. Thank you for that. And <laughs> thank you for some, a very enlightening episode for me. Um, I, I do have some thinking to do. There's quite a lot to ponder here. Um, and so whilst I do that, you, of course, now get your time to try and convince me why it is that yours is best. Uh, and as we have learned recently, these uh, these debates do sway the house from time to time. So do make your arguments clear and concise, please. Uh, I'm just uh, the floor's yours, boys. The floor's yours. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, Andy, I'm going to start with you. I, the only notes that I made for Andy's are um, me writing "What is happening," <laughs> and then in all caps, "What is happening." <laughs> but, like I that I I can't say I don't know that I could say any more to make you not pick Andy's that Andy hasn't already said when he pitched it. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't. I didn't. Um, with with the best will in the world, I love it. It's bonkers, and I see where he's going with it, but it's it's too far. Um, likewise, Ross's is also too far. It's not quite as too far, or maybe it's too far in a in a different direction. But like, well, indeed, um, one one is too far back in time. How is Rick O'Connell still alive in twenty twenty one? Like, I'll just leave that question there for you. Well, um, Brendan Fraser's still alive. So. Yeah, Brendan Fraser is, but the Mummy is set in like. 1912. <laughs> it's set before World He's War got One. magic in him. <laughs> uh, I mean, fine. Yeah, can't but, argue but that. there is not magic in the Fast and Furious. I suppose you could argue that Mine's there is definitely magic, magic in Fast and Furious because they're all still alive at this point. Um, but yeah, like Ross's, I, again, uh, like the, the mental thing is I can see Fast 10 doing a lot of what was in Ross's script. But. But uh, but I don't want that. I think you should go for the one that continues the storyline as it was set up in a more grounded way. That is trying to take the series back to its roots, while back to its roots, whilst honouring the bonkers action, but keeping it on Earth. Cool, uh, Ross. What do you have to say to that? Um, I think you should pick mine because. You all enjoyed listening to it, and I'm guarantee you'd enjoy watching it. Uh, I think it would be it would be a, a great movie, um, and it would be a treat. I think Drew's is going the opposite way, which is you know could be good, but I think uh, judging by the success of the previous films, bigger is better, and um, I feel bringing however way you do it bringing Paul Walker back would be a disservice and and works against you whether you change that or not is up to you but yeah um i don't i just don't know it just wouldn't land for me but um and i feel that andy's is as bonkers as mine if not more bonkers <laughs> um and i like the fact that he's he wants to go back to just doing the stuff about the like the i after this one like pe- people would just be like what what's like um which i you know but i also i just think it's too bonkers i love it i love it um and I feel really mean for having said what I said about Andy because I I loved it I love it but anyway, sorry sorry Ross. and I think yeah I think that's why you should pick mine because I I you know carry the storyline on and go a stupid way with it and it's bonkers and it doesn't have to the next one doesn't have to be Planet of the Apes but it, you know it could be that he pick he's picked up by aliens and then he has to learn how to drive an aliens car. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Well, we have um, a scene reminiscent of Thor slapping into the side of uh, the Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then it's a crossover with Marvel. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, that's why you should pick mine. Uh, okay, thanks, Ross. Andy, it, I it would okay. be It would you be too. a baller move. So, it would be a baller move to have robot arms Vin Diesel be in Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> with Groot, who he also plays. Yeah. <laughs> I love Ross's. I do just think it's a bit too far-fetched. There's too many things that impact the... What? Impact the it's no, too far 
too far fetched for me. Yeah, too many things <laughs> that impact the uh, the rest of the films. <laughs> Drew's got a lot of set pieces, but not a lot of like massive. I say like. I enjoyed Ross's. Drew's was a bit, just a lot of, you know, a bit snoring a little bit. I agree. Leave, leave Paul Walker alone. <laughs> a lot of yours, I, I, a lot of yours takes place in the street racing. But I, does that have relevance to the film? Because they need money, but they don't actually use the money because they get. No, because they never actually needed money. They did it to draw out Cipher. Right. Okay. So, how <laughs> how long is that? How long is that piece going to be though? And then we only need. It's like the entirety of Act So that's two, a lot of like, time, but then when we need like... A lot of time for exciting street races and character drama. Yeah, but that and like, yeah we meet new characters, characters that don't actually matter in the third act. And we have, we yeah, have... they do. They help them catch Cypher. All of the stuff I was talking about are them as like all of the street races helping to chase down Cypher. Right, so the reason you should pick me... Yeah, I'm trying to make I'm trying to make FFCU. I'm world building. It's big and fun. It's <laughs> far fetched, but not too far fetched. It doesn't impact the rest of the franchise. You've got many options, many choices to go with F. Uh, what ten and eleven? Okay. It's, big and, it's big and fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I I think I've made my decision. Um, I, I got I've got a couple of points for you for all of you. Um, this isn't a discussion. My mind is made up, so no arguing otherwise. Looking at you, Andy Henry, uh, <laughs> Ross Holmston. I'm probably the worst. <laughs> Ross Holmston. Um, certainly out there. Certainly, you are <laughs> encapsulating the bonkers energy that the Fast and Furious uh, movies are becoming known for. Some may argue it's a little otherworldly and a little too far out there but i don't know i could definitely see an appeal to it andy um again likewise you certainly uh put your foot down on the accelerator pedal here in terms of where you took this movie it's uh, bonkers out there i love that if you were ever to cross reference this universe with anything you'd go for the mummy uh of all things again you've done your research on the universal production company and so other franchises you could sink your teeth into there may be a couple of issues with dwayne johnson getting paid a shitload of money but you know what it would it certainly anyway, be so. one hell of a fucking movie and i think we would never get an audience member sitting down to watch fan of uh, again i've done it again (laughs) fast and furious 10 uh if we were to just have the god's eye i think you'd need like godzilla or something to draw an audience after your sequel pitch drew um i guess yeah you brought me a very real sequel (laughs) to this uh, franchise perhaps people listening may say well that is a very boring version of a sequel compared to some of the others but i did really like that you keep a very honest story you keep a story that feels in keeping with the fast and furious franchise and something you could expect i also feel that perhaps the paul walker thing Um, perhaps the way of getting around that is that you would see the baby, you'd see Brian left at a house without revealing the characters and then perhaps at the end for that monologue uh, you could have Brian in the distance and that's the Mm. only time that he's revealed to make that point more poignant um, if you were to bring Paul Walker back at all. Uh, However, I did, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to these uh, sequel pitches today and I do I go for the best sequel do I go for my favorite sequel here and this is where this will be the age-old debate and the age-old argument however I have picked my winner and my winner because it deserves it for the reaction that we all gave this pitch while we listened to Fucking it. Hell. You can't deny it, Drew. It was special. <laughs> You're going to leave the Considering this was probably written five minutes before, <sighs> we are going to space because we know that that's kind of on the cards anyway. Um, we might need to just rein it in a little bit, Ross, or find some character drive for Cypher to want to literally... I mean, hold uh. up. Hold up, Mummy franchise. Um, but you know because because honestly I have not laughed that hard at any of the sequel pitches nor heard the other two the I, other two were I off don't screen know if crying. laughter is what they're going it was my favorite sequel pitch 
if it was the best one, That's I would fair. give it to you, Drew. It definitely is the best sequel pitch. <laughs> We're in a grey area here. We don't even know who how we deba- decide who wins these movies. But the fact that two of you clearly didn't go for the best sequel pitch, you went for the favourite one. I feel like this week we have to give the winner of this week's episode to Ross Armston for Yay. my favourite sequel pitch. To be fair, you had me on the well name, man. Ross. So, fair play. <laughs> yeah. You could have rocked up with a name and I would have been like, you've got it. You've got me beat. Fast and the Guardians. <laughs> uh, so there thank we have you. it. Thank you, Ross, for that rather special five minutes. Um, so what are we watching next week, Ross? Big up. Just want to say big up to Drew's. I did actually think his is 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 a very good. I mean, I would enjoy that because he actually grounds it and makes it a little bit less mental than it is at the moment and andy's is buck wild and that would be amazing to see at the cinema oh, yeah, that's to the see how it would. i would as soon as a trailer for fast and furious had brendan fraser show up as rick o'connell <laughs> i would buy it. five tickets i would i would i would be the rock yeah, driving up a pyramid like you can just see that <laughs> at the end of the at the end of the trailer can't you <laughs> Yes, you can. And and then ramping off into space. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe having him come face to face with himself. <laughs> what, like Scorpion's King's climbing up the pyramid behind him? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good God. Right. But no, come on, let's, let, tell us, what are we watching next week? Next week, <laughs> we will be doing uh, a very special franchise and that's dear to my heart the movie not so much we are going to be doing a sequel to the 2008 indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull no because that means we actually have to watch kingdom of the crystal skull no change it and for the listeners we have our first special guest on next Yay! week. So excited. Well, there we have it, everybody. It is crazy to think that we are 17 episodes into Sequel Pitch already. <laughs> if if you guys are enjoying it as much as hopefully you can tell we are, please please help us to get our names out there and reach more ears by reviewing us on iTunes, uh, by following us and hitting those share buttons on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Act Sequel Pitch and on Instagram at Sequel Pitch Podcast. Thank you for listening once again. And with that, it is goodbye from Brendan Fraser himself, Andy Henry. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye from our anchored pitcher this week, Drew Toynbee. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. I think I burst a blood vessel from laughing. <laughs> and it's goodbye from our winner and spaceman himself this week, Ross Armston. <laughs> goodbye. And of Space course, cowboy. it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. This is Vin Diesel to Major Tom. I'm floating out in space.